Hi, I'm Josh Gandy, and you're listening to No Proof. This podcast is an extension of my journey to discover closeness to myself and the outside world. Through mindfulness, the person I'm becoming since sobriety, and the healthy choices I'm learning about along the way. In each episode, I'll be speaking with someone with ties to sobriety, the bar and restaurant industry, wellness, recovery, or all of the above. There's no proof like the present. All right, you're listening to No Proof. As always, I'm Josh Gandy, and I'm joined today uh, by an old pal of mine, Dave Conway. And uh, kind of surprised it's taken me this long to have you on the show, Dave, since we've kind of like shared some texts back and forth of, you know, both of our journeys, the fact that we both worked at the same place uh, while we were drinking people and then kind of came to a head for both of us for very different reasons um, as non-drinking people. So you're somebody that's, uh, been pretty special to me, uh, well before we had this in common, uh, just because, uh, you know, you've always been a joy to be around. We did a lot of like really fun, creative, uh, things together. And then I think most importantly, it's just been really kind of, uh, uh, special and great and fascinating to kind of like watch you, um, grow and become who you are today. So I guess all that to say, thanks for being on the show, Dave. <laughs> You're welcome, man. Um, I I would imagine if you would have looked at the uh, people at Watershed or like, you know, which two people are going to be sober in a couple of years? I don't know if we would have been on the uh, first couple of draft picks of no. uh, like the people. <laughs> yeah, the two uh, party captains of the SS, let's get this thing going. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, you know, I liked having a good time. That was, you know, something that probably for a lot of reasons of like a lot of feelings to ignore, you know, it's like, well, if I can have fun, I'll do that because I don't like to think by myself and actually start to feel things. Um, so yeah, it was the great distraction. Um, that's a really great way to put it. The great distraction. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and I surrounded myself with a lot of people who also uh, were good distractions. Um, you know, it's something that I don't think a lot of people recognize if you're in that sort of drinking scene, because you're surrounded by other people who are drinking, right? And then there's always people who are, you know, for most people, a lot worse off. And you can look at them, you're like, well, I don't have a problem, you know, look at them. And I never even said that. I, you know, do you have a drinking problem? Uh, I'd always joke like, no, but there's maybe a few concerns, you know, and that's something that you might want to keep an eye out on, but it was always like, well, I'm still young, you know, and then as that continued, it's like, well, I'm still younger. And, you know, there's all these people that are a little bit older than I am. So as long as I'm not there, those two yet, then I'm okay. And I think even when you're kind of in that mindset, you do a job a good job of like, whether you're conscious or, or if it's a subconscious decision, but you do kind of surround yourself with, you know, lack of a better word, like-minded people. And I think for me, at least part of it was like, I know that none of these people are ever going to kind of like question me on this. So I can just kind of like be this version of myself around them because I know no one's ever going to call me on my shit with this group. 
Well, right, too. And then if all those people, like, it's just, it's a weird culture, uh, right? And then if you're surrounded by that constantly, that becomes your normal. Uh, and so it's not until you take a step back and then you recognize it's like, oh, so those, those people that I saw every other weekend, they're not calling me anymore because I'm not at the bar with them. And that was always something like, oh, Thursday, Friday, what are you doing later? Um, and then when you stop showing up, um, you know, I, I would have considered them friends. Uh, and this is something that I uh, explain to people. It's like, I had a lot of drinking buddies that I thought were friends, but they ended up being just drinking buddies. Um, and then when you stop that, uh, you kind of realize the people that are still around, you're like, oh, okay, you know, there's a little uh, litmus test there uh, that kind of makes it a little bit more clear uh, of the people that are in your life, I guess, for the right reasons um, and not the reasons of, oh, we just all do this same behavior together uh, and we use each other as a distraction, uh, at least I did, I think, uh, to continue this behavior. Um, yeah, I can. That's something I could definitely agree with. I mean, whether it was like with the restaurant group that I was working with or or otherwise, uh, it, it always kind of like felt like we were all on a, a similar path. We all had the same stuff to kind of like celebrate in and we always had the same stuff to kind of like complain about. So it was kind of like easy to just like put life on repeat in a lot of ways. Well, right. And then it's like, you know, if you have a problem and it looks like a nail, every solution looks like a hammer, right? So it's like, oh, I had a terrible day at work, oh, we gotta go out or what a great day at work, like let's go celebrate. Um, I remember hearing about people when, you know, like sober October or dry January came around. Um, I never thought longer than like two weeks, like oh, I took a week off, you know, I'm fine or I didn't drink during the week. I'm fine. Um, and then the fact of like, somebody's like, I want to stop for 30 days. I was just like, why? <laughs> you know, like, what are you going to do for 30 whole days? Just not do this thing. That's a lot of fun. And, um, is, I don't know if it was a habit or it just became part of me. And I think working, uh, at watershed where we met, um, I took the habit and made it a lifestyle. And that was like an identification process uh, for me uh, to where my Instagram handle is still Distiller Dave. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's a weird, I don't know why I liked the idea of crafting something and going from grain to bottle and like the, I don't know, just, the inspiration behind it, you know, giving tours and talking about it um, and all of that reinforcement. Um, and it wasn't until I took a step away and completely out of it um, when I started to recognize, okay, maybe this isn't as romantic as I've been um, kind of envisioning it uh, for myself. What did it look like then? Oh, when I was in it? Uh, I mean, when you were kind of giving it that second look, if it wasn't as like romanticized and stuff, what, what did it start to look like with the new fresh set of eyes? Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to come out uh, 
it's a little bit for me at least um it was way more depressing um when you're around other people um especially out at a bar and you're not drinking and you see the slow to very fast decline uh, that happens in a social situation. So you show up, everyone's happy to be there. Uh, they have the first drink. Okay, gets a little bit louder. Uh, let's do shots. And then, okay, well, let's do another round. And then by that fourth or fifth drink, uh, you usually have the people who are completely in their own world and having fun and being loud and shouting at somebody else. Um, or you have the other group of people that look at you kind of funny, like, oh, well, why aren't you drinking? It's like, oh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, just, I usually would say I was taking the night off, uh, especially in those early days. Um, and then it's like, oh, just have one. It's like, oh, you know, I don't want to get into the whole thing, but just taking the night off. Um, or, you know, I'm doing Sober October because that became a more socially acceptable thing or you know, I have to get blood work done in the morning. Um, and I never had a good answer for like, oh, I just don't drink. You know, it's like, well, there's got to be a why there, right? And uh, it's one of those few behaviors, um, I think, in our culture that you need an answer to have most people okay with it. But like, if you say like, oh, I don't smoke, you don't have a bunch of people saying, oh, why? like well you know their cigarettes are not really good for you I don't like them anymore it's like I don't speak Mandarin Chinese either but I'm not questioned about that repeatedly you know at a bar it's like okay it's just sort of an accepted thing that like you know you don't do everything um with drinking it's one of those more it leads to more questions when you say you don't do something uh which is yeah. funny because there's there's tons of things that I don't do um, and this is just one of those things now that I've added uh, to my list. Especially, especially like social settings. I mean, it's really found its way into <laughs> everything. Like I was just talking to somebody the other day, like I don't remember like growing up and seeing like a McGuffins in the movie theater. Like <laughs> the movie theater was always just kind of like popcorn and candy. And now you can get like, you know, a beer delivered to your seat. You don't even have to get up. But just right. like, you know, I didn't help with this I you know I found a way of like combining drinking with like every single thing that you do like you could go anywhere and either like bring a drink or buy a drink somewhere and everything that you like invite friends to do like it's almost a norm of like well they'll bring some and I'll bring some and it's just always available I right. like I mean you're absolutely right it's just like I did the same thing in the early days where like I before I came out and said I don't drink I was just like I was really struggling to find like reasons because I just like didn't want to be bothered by it because I for myself didn't really have like a great answer in turn mm -hmm. I did when I look at it now I had a really great answer because my answer was I don't want to feel like shit anymore you know <laughs> if I feel great when I don't drink uh, I'm able right. to like remember everything I don't have like two day like anxiety ridden like guilt hangovers like but you don't want to hear that like <laughs> you can't <laughs> handle the truth <laughs> it's like what you're not gonna have wine with dinner <laughs> you know it's like well probably not um and that was always the thing it's like well what about if you're cooking with wine it's like well I barely cook you know what I mean like if I would ever use wine for cooking like I just won't do that anymore but <laughs> yeah. there's like all these like um hypothetical scenarios like well you're gonna go to a baseball game and not drink it's like probably 
You know what I mean? <laughs> Dave, what if you get stuck in the mountains and one of those like dogs shows up with a barrel? You're going to drink if he offers you that, yeah. right? <laughs> it's just like all of these things. That, yeah. And I used to be the same way of like, well, I'm not going to go to a concert and not drink. It's like, well, why would I go to the concert then? It's like, well, maybe you would go there because you like the band, right? And like, that should be probably a reason why you would want to go see a concert. Um, but yeah, I think uh, looking back at it, I started coming up with a lot of activities that I could drink at because that was like a fun thing to do. And, you know, surrounding yourself with those people. Um, I'm a big, I don't know, proponent, uh, I guess, or my mindset is like, behaviors are very important. Um, and so you reinforce those behaviors with those, your actions. And then if you continue to do something they become more of a reflex than an actual like conscious thought. And so, you know, it's Saturday afternoon, you're going to hang out with your friends. Well, where are you going? Well, let's go catch a happy hour or a place with a good, you know, patio. Um, and then we'll figure it out from there. But if you're always centering it around drinking, you're going to drink more and you're going to surround yourself with more people that are kind of like-minded. Um, and I don't think it's until you really take a step back uh, that you kind of get to experience and recognize and examine those behaviors that you got into uh, in the first place. So um, I don't know if you want to kind of go back to like my sort of catalyst of what got me to where I am now. Yeah, because um, it kind of seemed like a, a shock to me. And then once I had heard what happened, it uh, seemed like it was much more of a shock to you because, <laughs> you know, uh, we kind of skipped over this part a little bit, but like when I met Dave, he was a distiller. So we both worked for a distillery, distillery slash restaurant. I was the beverage director and, uh, Dave was distilling every day. And we even had kind of like a little series called distilling with Dave, where we would, uh, find Dave in the distillery and he'd be doing something uh, wacky. It was just some fun videos that we put together. But uh, one day you uh, just weren't there. And then some stories kind of came around that you were feeling unwell. Uh, <laughs> and then the next Dave that I met was uh, seemingly a very different person. So if you want to sure. drop in there. Uh, yeah, so I guess we'll start. Um, I remember... Uh, we were actually at an event on July 4th. Um, I think there was like a Maker's Mark event downtown or something um, for my 30th birthday. And um, slowly after um, turning 30, uh, my energy level was going down. I wasn't feeling as like myself as I had before. And I just thought it was people who told me like, you're not going to be able to do this for the rest of your life. It eventually catches up with you. Like, well, this is 30. And I was like, wow, this sucks way more than they ever let on. I was like, well, God, they were right, but whatever. So, um, working at a distillery, um, it can get very hot in there. Um, and you're going up and down ladders, you're carrying 50 pound bags, rolling barrels, um, it's a very physical job in a hot environment. And I remember one particular day, um, it was September 6th, um, 2018. I felt really bad and really weird. 
and I was like sweaty. I was kind of short of breath. I was a little confused. And I decided that I needed to call a doctor. No, that's what I should have done. I went on WebMD uh, instead, uh, typed in my symptoms and heat exhaustion came up. And I was like, perfect. Like this makes total sense. I probably didn't drink enough water. It's really hot today. That's fine. So I, you know, shut down the distillery, uh, went and got a beer, took a cold shower and was feeling better. And over the next couple of weeks, uh, I started to get kind of shortness of breath when I'd walk up a flight of stairs or, you know, it's a physical job moving, you know, cases of uh, alcohol back and forth. And I eventually, the shortness of breath got to a point where I was like, well, you know, there's something more than this isn't heat exhaustion. Um, what should I do? So I looked on WebMD again and pneumonia fit. So I was like, perfect, you know, and during any of this time, I did not check with the doctor or ask anyone else. Um, my sister is actually a doctor and teaches med students. Um, and so that would be something I had, I had resources available to me. <laughs> um, and then I took a few more days off work. Um, our boss called me, his neighbor was a respiratory physician or something. And he's like, you should just go get checked out. Let them know if you're not getting any better, um, they'll take care of you. So um, I went to an urgent care. I walked in, uh, said, I think I had pneumonia. Um, they took my vitals, uh, did some sort of scan and they said, you don't have pneumonia. And I was like, great, all right. But you still need to go to the emergency room because your vitals are all out of whack. Um, my blood pressure was 186 over 120. Um, my resting heart rate was 120. I was kind of disoriented. Um, and I was like, well, this is annoying, um, but I might as well <laughs> go to the ER. So I walked downstairs, uh, opened up one of the ride-sharing apps and you know, got a lift to the ER, uh, went inside, checked in at the front desk. I'm like, hey, my name's Dave. I'm coming from the urgent care. And they're like, wait, from, you know, the one up on lane? And I was like, yeah, they're like, where did you go? And I was like, I, I came here. They're like, no, they're looking for you there. Like they called the squad for you. Like there's an ambulance, no one can find you. And I was like, well, the lift showed up and I just went outside. No one told me anything. Um, and then I got to go back right away, which I thought, well, this is great. Like, I don't have to wait in line at the ER, you know? Um, and so they start running a lot of tests. Um, one of the tests that they do, um, it's called an echocardiogram and it measures basically how much blood is pumping out from your heart on each beat. So most people are 60 to 70%. Anything below 40% is considered heart failure. Um, mine was at 10%. And so I have no idea what these numbers mean. They're just numbers to me uh, at that point. So I finally called my sister because they're like, you're going to have to stay overnight. And I was like, well, this is annoying because uh, it was Sunday. And like, I was like, oh, they just don't have the doctor. Like, I'll just get a prescription, go home and be fine. 
And as I'm going through some of the test results with her, I get to that, um, you know, ejection fraction. It's the percentage. I was like, oh, it's, you know, 10. And she's like, okay, well, uh, I'll be there in, you know, an hour. I was like, oh, well, you don't have to come. She's like, no, I'll be there. Um, and so at that point, I was like, maybe it's a little more serious than I thought, but I'm going to be admitted. Uh, so I get admitted. Their initial uh, diagnosis was that I might have myocarditis, which is a bacterial infection of the heart um, that can inflame it and make it not beat as well. Uh, and that would make sense because I'm 30, you know, not in the best shape, but not in the worst shape um, and relatively active. And so, you know, that's what they started to treat me for. Um, I started to feel a lot better. Um, basically, I the heart, when it doesn't beat as well, uh, a lot of things start to shut down. So like your kidneys don't get enough blood, your uh, liver starts not getting enough blood. So I was kind of going into kidney failure, liver failure, heart failure, um, all at the same time. And I just thought I had, you know, pneumonia and I was walking around. Um, I lost, well, so they did a biopsy to confirm myocarditis and that showed negative on the first test. So like, oh, we'll just do another one. Um, and then that weekend I suffered three strokes, which are not a good time at zero stars, if I would rate those. Um, and that's when they were able to kind of put it all together um, that I had had a heart attack um, at some point. And so I had 100% blockage in my left anterior descending artery, um, which is known as the Widowmaker heart attack. But I wasn't married, so I don't think it stuck. Um, and I'm pretty sure I had it uh, back on September 6th uh, when I initially was like, well, oh, this is really weird um, and was experiencing all those symptoms. Uh, so most people that have that heart attack um, don't survive um, if you don't get treated in the first 90 minutes. I think it's got like a 93 or 94% uh, fatality rate. Um, and I was just walking around, still working at Watershed. Um, <laughs> you were the six or 7% that got a beer and took a cold shower. <laughs> yeah. No, and like I ever, you know, this comes up as like, oh, you know, there's a lot of stuff looking out for you. It's like, I was too dumb to die. You know, essentially, like I had no idea what was going on. So like, I didn't think it was that bad. It's tough to not imagine you like a Mr. Bean, you know, <laughs> during all of this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that was a shock. Um, but yeah, so I ended up spending uh, 12 days um, in the ICU, which I didn't even realize I was in the intensive care unit until a couple of weeks after. Um, I just thought everyone was very nice and attentive. You know, they'd come check up on you every two hours, take your vitals. And I was like, huh, Ohio State, you know, great place to be. Um, but yeah, I didn't leave the floor for 12 days either because I wasn't allowed to, you know, go up and down stairs at that point. Um, but yeah, that was a pretty big life-changing 
uh, event for me. And that kind of started me on, I don't know, my journey to where I am today. Um, and Was so, there a point where you were like, man, I can't wait to go back to happy hour? Or at this point, did you kind of like shut down everything? So, yeah, that's the funny thing. I was thinking about this. Um, I met with my cardiologist, I think, two weeks after initially going home. And like, okay, you know, how are you doing? Um, kind of a checkup, make sure the meds are good. And, you know, I, I even asked him, I was like, is there anything that I should, you know, stay away from? Like, am I allowed to drink? And he's like, no. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's like, for how long? He's like, um, well, we at least wait like 90 days. It's like, okay, well, 90 days, like three months, that'll be a nice break. Um, and I had a lot of other stuff to do. So um, with the strokes, it took me a little while to kind of feel like myself again. Um, they were pretty disorienting uh, to a point where I always put a lot of value on my intellect, uh, my humor, and that meant a lot to me. And when that was altered, that was a weird feeling to where I thought, well, I'm no longer me anymore. And I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I also didn't realize how bad that it was or had gotten because this is just my reality. Um, so my cardiologist said like, well, if you didn't come into the hospital when you did, you would have probably gone to bed that night and just never woken up in the morning. It's like, oh, that's kind of a heavy thing to just tell someone it's 10 a.m., you know, like, haven't had my decaf coffee yet. You're yelling about me not waking up. Um, so yeah, that took a lot of kind of adjustments over time uh, to where I went. Um, and on my three-month follow-up, I still asked him, I was like, you know, is it okay if I like drink again or, you know, have a wine with dinner? Um, Cause at that point I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm not gonna drink like I used to, but like, what if it's dinner? Um, he's like, you know what, take another 90 days, think about it, or, and then we'll reevaluate. Um, and then it was during that time where I was like, you know, like I don't have to drink. That was, that was like a big revelation for me of like, you don't have to do this, right? Um, and then I just stopped asking him uh, at any follow-up after that. And I don't think I ever made like a conscious decision of like, well, I'm gonna be done forever or, you know, this is it for, you know, the rest of my life because I hope to live for a very long time. Um, and a long time, that's like a hard, I think, decision to make for people. Um, I used to smoke cigarettes when I was drinking and I used to tell people like, you know, quitting smoking is incredibly easy because I've done it 35 times, right? It's like, well, this is the last pack last weekend, starting on Monday, I'm done. Uh, and then Thursday happy hour rolls around. You're like, well, I'm just gonna have one or two, like, you know, it's nighttime. Um, so it's same thing kind of with drinking. It was like, oh, I don't have to quit forever. Um, but I can quit for the next three months or I can quit for the next, you know, six hours at this wedding reception. I don't have to 
think about forever, but just staying present um, and being there in the today um, really helps me stay grounded and um, not be overwhelmed by those decisions and kind of those changing behaviors um, that I could work on kind of incrementally to where now it's just, like I said, it's just something that I don't really do. Um, and I don't have to think about it all the time. And I'm comfortable being around people that drink or going to a wedding. And I don't feel like I'm missing out. Um, you know, it's just, this is a more authentic version of me. Um, and I think that's one of the best gifts um, that I've received from not drinking was I got to meet and know myself more authentically than I did before. Especially coming from a place where you thought you lost it. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, I remember it was probably six or seven months in and I was by myself eating lunch. And I think I was watching like an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and then there was just like a stupid joke and I really laughed at it. And I was like, oh my God, that, that was so funny. Um, and I think that was like the first time in a while that I had like really, really laughed at something where I wasn't under the influence. And, you know, I liked making jokes and being funny and silly, um, but I missed, I, I thought that part of me was due to the alcohol, right? Like thought that made me funny. And like, that's why people wanted to be around me. And without this, I'm just kind of a serious, you know, sometimes miserable person. <laughs> Like, why would anyone want to be around me then, you know, but uh, discovering that that's still inside of me um, has been really cool. What else did you kind of pull out through all of this? You know, one thing I think that I kind of talk about a lot on here is uh, the sense of clarity and how wrong I was and kind of my... Um, definition of what I thought clarity was in the very beginning stages I thought it was going to be this like big almost like heaven-like light coming down where everything is illuminated and I just have all the answers to everything uh where in turn it is you know kind of small rocks that I pick up along the path and I can like build them all into uh puzzle pieces that match or I can examine one rock at a time and just kind of like have a better understanding. I think it's kind of given me pause and a good light where I can finally kind of like stop and turn around and just kind of like digest things. Uh, and at the end of it, they either don't make sense uh, and I have to like keep working on it or it's like, wow, that was really kind of in my face the whole time. Um, yeah, so I, I would say a lot. Um, I'm way more comfortable saying I don't know uh, now than I was before. Like I thought I always had to have the answer uh, towards something or I'd be really attached to a certain belief or take, you know, about like, how could you possibly think that? It's like, <laughs> well, Dave, other people have opinions and different life experiences than you. So maybe there are different uh, answers for your perceived notion on whatever any given matter. Um, the biggest thing that I think I recognize and have learned was like, I, I'm happy when I wake up in the mornings. 
Um, and that was something that I was, that was a feeling I rarely, you know, experienced because at one I was probably a little hungover or just tired or like, oh man, I got to get up. I got to go do this. Um, and not sort of like reshaping my mindset of, well, I have to go do this. It's like, will I get to go do this? Um, because, you know, that thing the doctor said was like, yeah, you probably wouldn't have woken up, you know, the next morning if you didn't come in when you did. Um, sleeping for me for a while was hard to do because I was scared to like close my eyes and think about well, what happens if you don't wake up. Um, but then when I would wake up, I'm like, oh, you know, awesome. Like, <laughs> here's another day. Um, so I tried to stay present in the present and not get too ahead of myself and not uh, look back on a lot of the re regrets that I would have. So when I was drinking, I would get in conversations with people or say stupid things. And then I'd wake up the next morning, be like, wow, yesterday, Dave, like he was such a dick. Like, why was he having that conversation? Like, it's completely unnecessary. Um, and then I was filled with a lot of regret. Um, but then I would just abuse tomorrow, Dave, by my actions today. Like, well, I don't have to worry about that. That's tomorrow, right? That's his problem. I'm going to go have fun. Um, and now I've kind of changed my mindset to where I'm happy to be here today. I can learn about some of the things that, you know, um, that I did yesterday that might help me be a better person today and kind of push me towards where I want to be tomorrow. Um, so I kind of like have these sort of like three days or three versions of myself that I try to be mindful of um, when I'm thinking about things. So it's, it's never, well, if this doesn't happen, then my life's ruined, or I can't believe I missed out on this opportunity, my life's ruined. It's like, okay, well, you know, you're here today, like, and I understand there's people out there. It's like, you can't obviously live one day at a time. Obviously I'm not saying that, but um, I try just to be mindful of that I am here today and that I do still have goals and things that I'm working towards. Um, and I'm working towards that version of Dave. And I like that version of Dave more and I'm not, oh, fuck that guy. He can wake up with a hangover for tomorrow. Um, and I don't know, I think we've had this conversation before where I was like, this is kind of a life hack, you know, <laughs> eliminating this one behavior has opened up so many more opportunities for me. Um, and that's not something that I would have ever imagined when I heard people say, oh, I quit drinking. I thought they were kind of missing out on a lot of what life has to offer. Um, but it's kind of like one of those big inhibitors and roadblocks, at least for me, um, that were there that stopped me from even recognizing what was available. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's like, I, you know, I've had the conversation work with a couple people and it's just like, I feel like someone like you or like me can say that until we're kind of like blue in the face, but like it doesn't really click 
until you live it. You know, I, I feel like even in the early days, I was reading a ton of articles about people just talking about, you know, presence and uh, the gift of life and all of like the little things that sobriety can bring. And I was just like, yeah, you're only saying that shit because you're writing this article. Like, like <laughs> you're just trying to make it sound so flowery to get me to understand your agenda. Um, right. And then time passed and I was like, all right, that person was right. It really is. This is the best thing I've ever done for myself. And, you know, even to you kind of talking about, um, you know, not saying like you're going to like quit forever. There was a time in my life where I was just like, well, I'm, I, I'm not going to say that I'm quitting forever because I don't want to have to hold myself to that. But now mm-hmm. I've gotten so far away from it to where it isn't like the filter that I have to put everything through anymore. But now I feel like I would be so stupid to go back. Like there's, there's no part of who I am now that would ever want any of that. Like no story of the back of like a wine bottle is great enough. No, like huff or sniff or smell or story is good enough to like take any percentage of this away from me. It's just too good. Uh, yeah. And I mean, like, it's something that I, I'll talk to people if they ask me questions, but I don't want to be one of those people who are like, hey, have you heard the good news? You know, like just stop drinking and everything gets better. Like there's there's still life, right? Like there's good days and bad days. And um, I just feel like it was something that I thought everyone did. So I just thought that's like what adults, you know, this is what we do. Um, and so this is the hat that I'll put on and be like, well, this is my drinking hat. It's time. Um, but it, I mean, I still have like, I, I never wake up and like, oh, this great epiphany. It's, you know, kind of a little small epiphanies over and over again. And then you look back and you're like, oh, wow. Like, okay. That's a huge realization that I've had, but I probably had a hundred small realizations to get to that big one. Um, and that's kind of like, you know, when people, if they ask me about it, I'll tell them, but I don't want to be preachy and I don't want to tell them like, oh, this revolutionized the way that I live my life. Like this has been in a weird way. It's removing something. It's removing something that hindered me. Um, and I would never want to reintroduce, you know, throwing a log in front of a bike because like, well, this looks fun, you know? (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, I I, I don't know. And like I said, I hope five years from now that I look back at myself now and be like, oh, you know, you're starting to figure stuff out. But now I hope to know a lot more about me than I did back then. Um, I hope I like myself more in the future than I do now. And I I think one of the things when I was hiding with drinking was like, I really didn't like myself and I didn't get to experience that version of myself for like 10 years while I was drinking because it was such a great way to ignore everything. Um, And then when you have to like stop and just be present with like, oh, this isn't a great thought. It's coming on. (laughs) It's like, all right, but now I'm more equipped to like deal with this and consider you know what I'm going through and it's not overwhelming and I don't have to solve everything you know by 
Monday at 9 p.m., I can be there with it and be okay with that. Can you describe Dave now? Who is he? <laughs> um, I don't, like. I feel like I'm a more genuine version of myself. Um, I like waking up in the mornings, which was something, like I said, I was never a morning person. Um, I'm more present in my day-to-day. -day. I listen to people way more. Um, I'm better equipped to deal with life. Um, and that takes practice. And like, I wouldn't say I'm some completely well-adjusted, you know, member of society who's got it all figured out. Um, but my days are easier now and more manageable. And a lot of things that I thought were only kind of like, you know, these dreams that I had, well, it's like, yeah, if you're not working towards them, you're never going to accomplish them. You know, like I had all these goals and it's like, we well, kind of got to work towards them or you're just, it's not going to arrive for you. Like you're going to have to do that. And through all of this, I've learned how to kind of work towards those longer term goals, uh, which is something that I've learned how to do. That took me probably a year and a half after everything happened to kind of work towards that. Because like I said, in those early days, I was terrified to fall asleep. I was like, well, you know, if I don't wake up in the morning, what's the point of all of this? Yeah. So it's like, I, I try not to ask myself those questions like, and it's, well, it, it'll be fine and I'll work towards that, you know. That's great. Well, thanks for sharing, Dave. I'm glad to know you. <laughs> glad to know you too, Josh. I think, uh, like I said, we would have been pretty low on the uh, sober fantasy league team. <laughs> low Always job, the ones right? that shock you. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, how are you doing? I'm good. That's No Proof. Thank you for listening. And if you liked what you heard or are interested to hear more, make sure to like and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Music was written and recorded by my brother Kyle, right here in Columbus, Ohio. To pick up an NA enamel pen and other great barware, head to moverandshakerco.com. More info and other shows like the Focus on Health podcast with Alex Jump can be found at fohealth.org. That's focusonhealth.org.